Hello, I'm Marius Cumming and welcome to the second edition of The Yarn. Today we hear of the groundbreaking research using superfine wool to treat dermatitis. And we meet a scientist tackling the sheep blowfly with the very latest in genomics technology. But when wool growers and fashion designers meet, something always interesting happens. And when Rob Jones and Catherine Tatum visited a wool growing property for the first time, it was no exception. Here they are speaking with New England wool grower Chris Clonan. One, it's a real honour to win it because of its history. For us, it's completely changed our design business kind of overnight. It's, it's made such a positive impact to us. Also, it's all the different experiences and opportunities you get through winning it. So you get the opportunity to visit your retailers and you meet all the different markets that you're selling your wool product to, right through to meeting you guys here and seeing the real primary source. That for us is very important. We like to get to the origin of what it is that we're creating. And I think it's also the education that comes with the Walmart group. It's not just a prize that you just win and then you're gone. It's kind of the lead up and the follow up afterwards, like coming here today. It's like just educating you in the fibre so that you can actually take it more into your design and, and use it more. What have you got out of today's experience uh, coming back to the, to the source of wool growing and seeing how it's prepared and grown? I think for me is listening to you describe your approach to and how you get excited about the genetics and producing a breed that's new and exciting, something that hasn't been necessarily seen on the market before, is actually very similar to what we're trying to do at the other end of the, the whole process. So we're trying to create new and innovative designs that people respond to in a market and actually you're trying to do exactly the same thing. We're just different points in the path and I found that really fascinating today. It's also good for us to see the passion that you guys have as well, like the whole, the whole chain. It's like when you meet people that we, like with mills that we work with and we see their passion and when you work with people that are passionate, you can learn so much off, off them. I feel like we've learned a lot today as well yes. and it just helps you kind of come up with new ideas. And no doubt you'll take this experience back and talk about that experience yeah. and, and uh, to, to, to uh, processes and so forth. So. Yeah. yeah, it's very humbling actually being here and um, the massive effort and it's such a, it's a, it's a physical task that you do. It's hard work, kind of makes me think we need to try harder. It makes me think, okay, as designers, we need to constantly be thinking, how can we be more innovative with this fibre? How can we push things further to serve the effort that's going in right at the beginning? Wool grower Chris Clonan, who hosted Woolmark Prize winning designers Catherine Tatum and Rob Jones. Their amazing designs are at David Jones until sold out, and you can see them on the farm on YouTube. I'm here with Angus Island, who works for AWI as the program manager for fibre advocacy and eco-credentials, which is quite a mouthful. But uh, Angus has been involved in some fascinating work around uh, the superfine merino wool and uh, 
skin wear. Now, this is an area where the next to skin wear that we've, we've all got to know in recent years, uh, it's quite a growth area for the company. And uh, Angus, you've been uh, sort of in charge of some very interesting research around the interaction of skin conditions and this very super fine merino wool. Can you tell us a bit about it? Sure. So, yeah, we've been interested to study over the last three years or so uh, whether whether superfine wool base layer garments uh, can be beneficial for skin health. In Western nations, uh, eczema, for example, is described as, as approaching uh, global epidemic levels. Uh, and it, for example, in Australia, uh, up to a quarter of all children born uh, fall somewhere on the atopic dermatitis scale, which is another term for eczema. These people essentially have uh, leaky skin which lets moisture pass through too readily and the question was posed whether wool could become a second skin for them. Wool is made out of a similar material to skin, they're both made from keratin uh, and wool can hold uh, far more moisture than, than um, the other major apparel types like uh, cotton and synthetics. Yeah, this was the rationale for, for the, the study that, that because wool can uh, essentially breathe better than these other fibre types, could it maintain a more healthy microclimate between the skin and the garment and therefore uh, address the, the leaky skin problem of, of eczema sufferers? And I understand that the work that has been done uh, is showing some fairly promising results. That's true. We've undertaken two studies, one in, of children in Melbourne and one of adolescents and adults in Brisbane. And in both cases, uh, the, the results have been really positive. After changing from their cotton garments to wool garments, the symptoms of, of eczema, the redness, the itchiness, the dryness and pain, all diminish quite rapidly. It takes about uh, two to three weeks of wearing wool for at least six hours a day, super fine wool based layer garments, and, and these symptoms just drop away. They don't disappear entirely, but the lifestyle of these people greatly improves over that period. So wool growers will be obviously familiar with uh, the comfort factor of their own wool, and that, that has been sort of a, a measure of fleeces for some years and a measure of the amount of fibres above 30 microns, but you're talking here about very super fine wool. What sort of micron are we talking about and how does that interact with the, the skin as opposed to broader wool that we uh, sort of remember from those as old school jumpers? It's an important question because it is critical really that these garments um, are properly specified for, for their end use uh, as base layer garments because um, people with uh, eczema or atopic dermatitis have more sensitive skin than the, than the rest of the population. And those coarse old school jumpers you're referring to uh, um, would actually, or could, uh, because because of the, the coarse fibres, could actually trigger the conditions of, of eczema and, and, and stimulate those problems. So it is essential, and this is part of the work we're doing, is to prepare a specification for properly describing the criteria of garments that are suitable for people with sensitive skin. Currently, the studies that we've undertaken in Melbourne and Brisbane have involved superfine wool, so that is wool that's 18.5 microns or less, and it can't have a, a, a strong coarse edge. It can't have a, a high proportion of coarse fibres because uh, even with superfine wool, you can have some fibres up around the 30 micron mark, which can actually uh, um, trigger that problem. So this interacts, of course, with the comfort meter that was developed uh, years ago as well. 
Are we looking at something that is um, part of a, a medical market or are we looking at a potential market for wool in, uh, in, in a broader context? Is this something that the medical fraternity will be picking up on, do you think? The, the answer to that is we're looking at both those markets. Uh, we're certainly looking at the, uh, the medical market because uh, with those that incidence of uh, eczema in the, in, the West, in the population of Western nations, it in itself is a large market. But the reason why AWI first became involved in, in this area is, is because that these people have especially sensitive skin. And if we can demonstrate that they tolerate superfine wool-based layer garments well, then it's a strong case to take to the rest of the population and say, well, those old preconceptions of wool as being prickly and itchy are no longer relevant to modern garments today. And you can throw away those old ideas because new uh, modern wool, wool garments are suitable for all types of skin. Angus Island from AWI working in an area we're sure to hear more about. Meanwhile, there's some cutting edge work being conducted into the genomics of the sheep blowfly. With the genetic map of Lucilia caprina now completed, geneticists such as Trent Perry from the University of Melbourne are now looking at new avenues for controlling the pest. So I've started working on uh, Lucilia a couple of years ago around the genome time and we have been moving forward with improving, improving the genome and understanding what kind of differences there are in Lucilia caprina. So you found some unique genetic material for the sheep blowfly and that potentially opens up doors for not only new chemical control but a way of potentially genetically altering the fly in the longer term as well. How does that work? How do you start to insert and manipulate the genes of the, of the animal itself? So what we'd be looking to do would be not so much modifying the blowfly itself for release into the field, but to modify it in the lab to understand some of the novel genes that have been discovered in the genome. So the cilia has about 2,000 orphan genes, genes that aren't seen in other insect species. And so a lot of those genes might be critical in the unique biology of the blowfly. And so by creating a system where we can start looking at these genes individually and understanding what they do and which ones are critical for the fly's survival, we can then hopefully identify targets that might be useful for things like vaccines or insecticide controls that would be quite specific to the blowfly itself. What's an example of other industries and other flies that have been controlled through this way? This is not so much a, a control strategy in of itself, it is finding out the genes that would be employed in a control strategy. So if we are able to identify genes that are important for evading the sheep's immune system in the wound and developing, then what we'll be able to do is determine using genetic manipulation whether or not they lead to the death of the fly if they're impacted by knocking them out of the fly and testing when they survive, how fit they are. And then that particular gene can be examined as a, as a candidate for a vaccine. And so you could then look at whether or not if you vaccinate sheep and they produce antibodies to that protein, that delays or disrupts the, the cycle of the, the maggots in the wound and will help um, avoid a lot of the damage that they would have done. Trent Perry from Melbourne University speaking at the AWI R&D Update Day for Flystrike. You can see his presentation on wool.com. So I hope you enjoyed the second episode of The Yarn. If you have something you would like to discuss, 
please drop me a line at marius.coming at wool.com and I'll explore it for you. Thanks for listening and I look forward to speaking with you soon.